Good start. Are you with Julian on the brown notes? And it's my favourite time of year. It's list time. Every year on this show, I do at least three shows, the final three of the year, on my top albums of the year, which is this show, my top films of the year, which is next week, and my top tracks of the year, which is the week after. Last year was a bit nuts, because I did um, my top 200 tracks of the year for 12 weeks, up until my final shows of the year, so the whole four months of lists. This year, no, so... Overall, I think it's been a banner year for movies much more perhaps than music. Sometimes I really struggle to fit all of the stuff I want to in the music, uh, the albums and track shows, but um, it's been relatively easy this year. In fact, I think I've only got 20 tracks of the year, but I've got 25, my top 25 albums of 2023 on the show. I even missed my last real show of the year because I had flu last week. Oh well, let's kick it off because 25 into 2 hours can be a little bit challenging. And so we might take things quite quickly at first. At number 25, a very, very underappreciated album. The Tenth by the legendary UK electronic duo of Paul and Phil Hartnell. And their 10th album, The New Abnormal, never got anywhere near the attention I thought it deserved. And I thought it was their best in years, not the last time I'll say that. So this is from that album. is isn't called The New Abnormal. The album's called Optical Delusion. The track is called The New Abnormal. I don't listen, I really don't consume much media. Um, so I never know how anyone's name his spell or even their details. I think I've said Royston Murphy from Wales for many years and it's Rasheen and she's Irish. So Rasheen Murphy's I don't know how many solo albums she's done, but she um she's nearly she is fifty. She's was a go to vocalist on a lot of electronic acts coming out of the nineties and the early two thousands. And her solo album is very good indeed. Uh, Hit Parade, um one of the more acclaimed pop releases of the year even though it veers into quite electronic weirdness at times from that cool cool at 24 i lost it shim murphy and kukul from the album hit parade at number 24 in my top 25 albums of the year at 23 it's victory beverly walker who's already made this list with her debut mixtape in 2021, it was in my top 10 albums of the year called To Hell With It, better known as Pink Pantheris, a very modern TikTok star, but um, one with a great deal of style and an incredibly charming voice seems to have crossed over quite successfully to the mainstream with her debut album, which has only come out a few weeks back, called Heaven Knows. And from that, at 23, is capable of... That's uh, 23 and Pink Pantheris very massive star of the present really um but we'll be getting bigger as she is very definitely on the pulse came out of the whole tiktok world but with um her take on a lot of the tropes of sort of 90s english club music and put it together in such a way that she got ripped off relentlessly but that was capable of love from for me her second album because i did feature her mixtape 
um, in my 2021 albums of the year. But this one, Mercy is her official date. Sorry, uh, heaven knows her official debut album. And number 22, the venerable John Cale, who, unlike Rasheen Murphy, is actually from Wales and left for New York and formed arguably the most influential alternative act of all time, the Velvet Underground. And since the Velvet Underground and uh, him falling out with Lou Reed, after their second album, White Light, White Heat, he has had an esteemed solo career and also a production career, producing an awful lot of iconic records by people like Nico and Iggy Pop and so on. He's uh, in his 90s, I think, nearly. And uh, his album Mercy this year was fantastic, came out, I think like one of the early high points this year, so I reckon around January, certainly um, start of Feb, uh, called Mercy, and he did a lot of collaborative work on it as well. So this one features the UK act, the Fat White Family, and the track Legal State of Ice. I don't know if it has swearing in, but at 22, it's John Cale and the album Mercy. That's the excellent new album from John Cale. At least pushing 90, the ex-Velvet Underground legend, one of the most important figures in alternative music of any kind. And his new album, Mercy, came out around January as 21. So I won't do a countdown from, well, I might as well. Orbital were at 25. Roshan Murphy at 24 with uh, Hit Parade. Pink Panther is Heaven Knows at 23. John Cale and Mercy. And at 21, the Zamrock band, uh, which who released the album Zango, which is utterly fantastic, after the brief 40-year hiatus. So they formed after Zambia's um, (coughs) independence and made... They basically formed an entire genre called Zamrock, um, which is distinct from sort of what was happening in uh, sort of around 1970 in... um, I guess the capital of African rock music at the time, which would have been Nigeria and the very sort of psychedelic rock. This is a little bit more charging and rock and roll music. And a brilliant album after a 40-year gap called Zango is going to as at 20... That's which... After a 40-year absence from Zambia, the Zamrock Legends and the album Zango, that was Streets of Lusaka, kicking off the top 20 albums of the year on the brown note. Next week, I'll do my movies of the year, both best and worst. And I think that the worst movies of the year is my favorite of all the lists. I really like being mean. And also, it's been an absolute banner year for both good and bad movies. I, I gave a few, I cut at least two zeros out this year. And, of course, it's been the um, Oppenheimer year and the Barbie year and God, I hope Killers of the Flower Moon comes out and streaming before next week because I haven't seen it. I kind of feel like it's going to be a battle between those two films and I haven't actually seen it. In fact, I haven't seen most of the films that will appear in the the, the lists of most people on in the media. It's, I complain about this all the time. Every time I do the list, is. If an album was only played for a select group of people in March and no one's ever heard it since, and you include it in your albums of the year, what, is, what does it make you? Like, no one would do that with music, but like you look through the well, 10 best films of the year. That was at a festival in February, and no one's ever actually seen it on release. It's like, anyway, 
Kicking off our top 20 version, Rene Gazka from Texas, known as that Mexican OT or that Mexican out of Texas. What I actually the most fun album of the year called Lone Star Luchador. And this track will probably contain swearing called Grooving, kicking off our top 20. That was that Mexican OT and grooving from Lone Star Luchador. Cheat at 19, which is uh, last year, I think my third best album of the year, was the absolutely fantastic return of Cocteau Twins Elizabeth Fraser with her first major band since, other than doing like um, step in work for people like Massive Attack and Teardrop. Um, she came back with Dame, Damon Reese. And the duo put out the self-titled Sun Signature EP, which I treated as an album. And they did a remix album of it this year in about August, which was completely at odds with how remix albums really go normally, which was just to add beats to everything. A lot of them were just um, ways of accentuating the original ambiances in different directions. It was fantastic. So I'm including it anyway. So from Sun Signature Extended, which is well worth getting because it contains the original album as well. This is the remix by Gweno of Golden Air. Uh, you're with Julian on the Renault Countdown, my top 25 albums of the year. And that was Sun Signature from the remix album of their self-titled debut album. And that was Golden Air by Gweno. At 18, Archie Ivan Marshall, uh, who won. He's one of the people in the list who won my album of the year in 2017 with The Ooze, um, was one of my albums of the decade. And since then, he's uh, gone down this sort of failing to really come up with something as gargantuan and brilliant as The Ooze, but always very good. And the album Space Heavy this year was still a great album. So from that, um, fortunately, I learned that Seaforth, the track I'm about to play, is not Seaforth down the road from where I live in Sydney. At 18, King Crawl and Space Heavy. Uh, Sarchi Ivan Marshall, aka King Crawl, from the album Space Heavy at number 18, and that tracks Seaforth at number 17. An electronic music guru from England called James Holden, who I have featured some of his albums on the show, particularly The Inheritors, I think, was the, the main one. <coughs> and occasionally crosses over but uh, the new album from him uh, imagine this is a high dimensional space of all possibilities was a psychedelic masterpiece and also very interesting in the way that he puts together music certainly not bound by machinery and this is contains multitudes it's one long psychedelic journey the whole album imagine this is a high dimensional space of all possibilities from James Holden as 17. And that track contains Multitudes. Is that exactly the same title as the Bob Dylan track? Which was also absolutely amazing. And probably about as long as well. At number 16, well, probably my favourite rock band of this century. And a band that started, I think, in the very late 70s. Michael Jira's Swans, uh, cruelly ignored these days. Uh, had one of the great runs of albums in the last decade and to be kind and the seer were like near 10 out of 10 albums and there were like four two hour long albums in a row as is his one he goes through these transitional periods of reinventing who swans are and he's sort of two albums into that 
with the beggar i thought this was a more substantial reinvention of who swans are uh, and a and very underappreciated album this one could contain swearing i can't remember uh, no more of this i've got to pick up the pace uh, that was swans one of my all-time favorite bands from the album the beggar at number 16 because i'm approaching the halfway stage on my 25 best albums of the year and that was the beggar and i haven't got nearly far enough in so i'm gonna have to whiz through a few but then again i have had quite a few long ones matthew edward barnes yet another uk electronic music producer forest swords and i really loved his style on the engravings album in 2013 and um followed that up with compassion and another very strong album this year called bolted and this track butterfly effect at number 15. Forest Swords, third album, Bolted, came out this year, and that was Butterfly Effect of 15. At 14, one of the year's big music stories was Boy Genius, the all-girls supergroup of Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridges, and Lucy Dacus, and their debut album, The Record, was one of the high points of the year, and certainly one of the most prominent. From that album, this Simon and Garfunkel referencing track, Call About It. At 14, from the record at 14, that was cool about it. At 13, Sofia Cortesis from Peru, I think her debut album, even though she's been making music for a long time, one of the electronic music highlights of the year, the album and title track, Madres. Warm and inviting electronic music of Peru's Sofia Cortesis and her debut album Madras at 13 in my albums of the year at number 12 it's the indie rock band from Will Anderson called well they're basically shoegaze adjacent band from Will Anderson from New York their second album Hotline TNT's album Cartwheel is at number 12 and this track I Thought You'd Change that's the second album from Hotline TNT and I Thought You'd Change at number 12, the track was I Thought You Changed the Album Cartwheel. At number 11, Sparkle Horse, a much revered, much lamented alt rock act from America who is primarily Mark Linkus, who took his own life in 2010, leaving an unfinished album which has emerged after many years of his uh, friends and family completing it for him called Bird Machine. It's a fantastic album. Functions as a, a brand new album from Sparkle Horse totally unexpected one as well at number 11 and this track from it everyone has gone to sleep counting down my 25 best albums of the year it'll be my best and worst films next week as i do every year and final show of the year will be my tracks of the year and this one will go out on youtube and they're horrible to edit because i've got to sync up the audio with the 25 video clips it's a nightmare so countdown time at number 20, uh, That Mexican OT and Lone Star Luchador, Sun's signature extended version at 19, King Crawl and Space Heavy 18, James Holden at 17 with Imagine This Is a High Dimensional Space of All Possibilities, The Beggar from Swans at 16, Bolted from Forest Swords at 15, Boy Genius, The Record at 14, Sophia Cortesis at e, uh, 13 with Madres, and Cartwheel from Hotline TNT at 12. That was at number 11, Sparkle Horse. And the unexpected album, very posthumous album, 
called Burn Machine, which is wonderful. And at number 10, kicking off the top 10 albums of the year, so exciting, and nearly where I want to be time-wise, The Chemical Brothers, um, Ed Simmons and Ted Roland, Ted Roland, Ed Roland, and um, their 10th studio album, um, for that beautiful feeling, I think it's their best since Surrender, and um, this great track from it is a good indication. Featuring Beck, uh, this is Skipping Like a Stone, from my 10th favourite album of the year, The Chemical Brothers, and for that beautiful feeling. That one could have easily made my tracks of the year. Featuring Beck, Skipping Like a Stone, kicks off my top 10 albums of the year on the brown note. For that beautiful feeling from the Chemical Brothers. And at nine, a very underappreciated second album from one of the alumni of the new wave of British indie, Squid. Uh, who are the only ones this year who put out a very prominent album, although Black Country New Road did put out a live album, which is very good as well. Um, oh Monolith, I thought was a fantastic album and a step up from their debut Bright, new, uh, Bright Green Field from... 2021 did not get the love it deserved this track the blaze could contain swearing at number nine at number nine in my albums of the year that's squid from their very underappreciated second album oh monolith and that was the blade to eight terrible year for rap music i normally have like three at least in my list but one album oh no i've got the mexican ot so that's two is that it that's about it the collaboration between the bright lights of semi-underground American rap music, JPEG Mafia, and the legendary Danny Brown came together for Scaring the Hose. This will definitely contain swearing. And this is the um, title track of said album. A rare high point in a year, terrible year for rap music. That was JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown's collaboration, Scaring the Hose. Danny Brown actually came back with a solo album at the end of the year, which I didn't focus on. And I didn't focus on this, which has ended up being one of my favourite albums of the year. Um, the latest by yet another of the sort of alumni of post-2000s UK electronic music gurus, James Blake, who ended up becoming a piano troubadour. Uh, for a few albums and has, you know, just never released anything that is at least good. Um, but I really like the fact that on his sixth album, another massively underappreciated one called Playing Robots Into Heaven, he went all the way back to those early EPs of very much more dance-oriented music, and I think it's his most ex exciting album uh, for a long time, skewing entirely that whole sort of piano balladry that really made him world-famous. So from Playing Robots Into Heaven to number seven, this is loading a good example very magnificent album from the UK's James Blake playing robots into heaven. At seven, at six, the most unexpected album of the year from now down to a three-piece of Mark Keane, James Hornsey and Alastair McLean, who as a wannabe publicist in the 90s achieved some notoriety for turning down Harry Potter. Uh, they are an indie pop band that formed in 91, but really came to prominence around the turn of the millennia with a signature sound of sort of pastoral, psychedelic folk indie music. Came back with their... 
seventh studio album they really don't bother rushing and instead of being very very sort of conservative and following the mold which they basically made themselves one of the most adventurous and wide-ranging albums full of like field recordings and skirting off into electronic flourishes a fantastic massively long album how long is it 63 oh, 63 minutes guess pretty long but I, I thought it was a bit longer than that called i am not there anymore and i think time wise i'm very good to actually let these songs play out for just about the first time ever normally i end up with five songs to go and about 10 minutes to go so the clientele at number six with a fabulous album i'm not there anymore and this garden eye mantra number six that was the clientele what a wonderful album the clientele at number six and i'm not there anymore and that was garden eye mantra into the top five of the, my favorite 25 albums of the year next week will be my films best and worst of the year and then the final show of the year will be my tracks of the year at number five the anonymous south korean bedroom shoegaze artist well i missed the first album from 2020 called let's walk on the path of a blue cat but the second album to see the next part of the dream exploded internationally and i thought that was his debut album or her debut album i still don't well it's a he because you can hear from the voice i think uh one of my albums of the year that year and again um an amazing widescreen epic album after the magic uh real long form release fantastic album how long is this one it is uh, 60 minutes long so a big album lots of noise and uh, moving away from that signature shoegaze sound with after the magic kicking off my top five and this track insomnia that's the third album and second feature in my albums of the year from paranormal after the magic at number five on my list at number four Another very underappreciated album, I feel, um, well, not in all quarters, but The H by Icelandic legend Sigur Ross. I didn't like the sound of it first because they said it was a, an orchestral album, but that really didn't do it justice. It was amazing, almost ambient, one long piece, well, made up of multiple pieces that all seemed to flow in and out of each other like Icelandic fjordlands. A stunning album called Asher at number four, and this track, Blueberg. After a 10-year gap between studio albums, Iceland's Sigur Ross, arguably the most Icelandic album, Asher, at number four. At number three, Fever Ray, a.k.a. Karen Dreyer, of the brother and sister duo The Knife, one of the most important acts this century, one of the most acclaimed. And just like Tom York's solo output, outside of radiohead the albums she put out or they put out um on their own left me a bit well more to be admired than loved i would say um the plunge album from 2017 again um very knotty but not that easy to love the third album, Radical Romantics, came out this year and I was immediately, I thought everything snapped into focus. It was a much more compelling release, a much more engaging piece than just being um, sort of very austere and 
a little bit difficult to love. I loved Radical Romantics. It's my third best album of the year, and this track from it, Candy. And number three in my album countdown, nearly finished my first list show. I love list time of the year. It's why uh, I think Jesus intended lists for the end of the year. At number three, that was Fever Ray, her third album, Radical Romantics. How is this another 10th studio album at number two? From one of the most esteemed singer-songwriters in America from Detroit, Michigan, Sufjan Stevens' 10th album, Javelin, was a masterpiece, uh, a brilliant merging of pretty much everything great he'd done from the maximal, come on, fairly Illinois, uh, one of the great artistic achievements of the century for me, and the incredibly intensely emotional and intimate Carrie and Lowell with the more sort of electronic age of ads textures to make Javelin and this track, Goodbye, Evergreen is my second best album of the year, Javelin by Sufjan Stevens. Yo, with Julian on the brown notes, counting down my albums of the year. And next week it will be my films of the year and then my tracks of the year. At number 10 in my best albums of 2023, Chemical Brothers for that beautiful feeling. Oh, Monolith by Squid, they're second at 9. JPEG Mather and Danny Brown scaring the hose at 8. James Blake playing robots into heaven at seven. The Cleontel, I'm not there anymore, at six. South Korea's anonymous paranormal after the magic at five. Sigur Ross Atta at four. Fever Ray Radical Romantics at three. And that was Sofiane Stevens and Javelin at two. At number one, she could have won, been the first person to have won my album of the year twice with her landmark NFR album in 2019 as it was my album of the year, but I didn't do an album of the year list. It was my albums of the decade that year, so technically she doesn't. Lana Del Rey, one of the most controversial and well-defined aesthetic artists of the century with her second album, Born to Die, in 2012. Often mocked, but after NFL, suddenly became reimagined as one of the greatest songwriters on earth. And her album... Did you know there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard it is the equal of that album, but instead of being this uh, maximalist odyssey through sort of 70s AM pop music and rock music, a much more insular and personal release from her where no character exists at all. This is a title track from my number one album of the year. It will contain swearing. Did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Adios.